you go to, to a school every single day and wherever else and you get treated like that continuously and it starts building and building. And then finally, uh, you start to believe them or you have like that breaking point and you hit fight or flight. And I, that's what happened. there my name is sean and this is suicide noted on this podcast i talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories every year around the world millions of people try to take their own lives we almost never talk about it and when we do talk about it many of us including me are not very good at it so one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors I want to thank all of the survivors who have joined me here on the podcast since we launched July of 2020, and to everybody who listens. There are more people listening in more places, and we really appreciate it. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And in the show notes, you'll see some links. One is another way you can reach out through a recorded message. There's a couple links to help us out with financial contributions. And we can use the help as we try to reach more people in more places, help them feel a little less shitty and a little less alone through these conversations and these stories. Finally, we're talking about suicide on this podcast. It may not be a good fit for everybody, so please take that into account before or as you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Larry. Larry lives in Michigan, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Larry, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. Sorry, I just got out of work, so I, uh, I you got me in my car. <laughs> are you working now, and then you're just taking a break? Or you just got out of work, like you work a night shift. I'm taking a, I'm taking a lunch right now. Great. I'm glad we connected, man. I'm curious if I can ask. You are in the great minority of people in that. You went through this thing, which I'll ask you about, but you're also comfortable talking about it and not just talking about it to your best friend or a therapist, but to me, who's a virtual stranger by proxy, so to speak, other people who hear it through the podcast. So I'm wondering what in the world is making you feel comfortable enough to talk about this, Larry? Honestly, uh, so I went, after I had my, my incident happen um, and I, I, I survived that, I went to therapy and counseling. And that was life changing for me. I found so many shortcomings and red flags uh, within myself, within my relationship at the time, friends, uh, and just habits. It was life changing. I'm like, I can live life now and enjoy it so much more than what I could back then. I know how to set boundaries, healthy boundaries. And I'm like, you know, this should be more normalized because there's so many people that are afraid to go to therapy. They're afraid to speak out about things that have happened. And all that does, it hurts more people. You know, if these kids are in high school and they're having all these feelings at a young age and they think it's not normal because their their other peers don't want to listen to them or tell them, no, that's not normal. You know, that's when bad things happen. And so I feel like spreading the word and making it more aware and letting people know that therapy is is normal. It's okay. And everybody struggles with something, then it's making a difference. And I feel like that's maybe why I'm still here. Yeah. Do you think if you post-incident hadn't found therapy, you would be here? Do you think you'd be here? 
Um, I really, I don't know, to be honest, because my therapist did make a world of difference. I mean, uh, they helped me realize how, because I had really, really bad um, codependency issues. And I, I, and so I'd put other people before myself, especially like the relationship I was in. So my self-meaning went very, very low. And I mean, I even initially was said, um, you know, I'm going to therapy today because this person said they would like me to. And she's like, well, yeah, but it's to help you. It's not to help them. It's not to save this or relationship or whatever. It's to help you in your mental state. It's, it's one of those things where I think she helped me find more of myself. And so if I didn't have that, I don't know if I'd be around because that was a lot of mental struggles and we still have mental struggles, but at least now I kind of have the tools in the background to pick myself up out of the slumps. Mm. How long ago was your attempt? Um, it was October of 2020. Not that long ago. No. All right. So this is always challenging, typically challenging for people for understandable reasons. Take us through, if you would, or take me through the the incident. Well, I definitely, I, I've I've made multiple attempts throughout my life. Probably I, I about, I, I'd say three serious ones. So the October 2020 was the most recent one? Mm-hmm. All right. Can you, are you cool with going back to the first one? Yeah, that would probably be. Oh geez, I don't even know. I was I was younger. I was a teenager. The other two happened while I was in I was in high school and middle school. The first one being in, in middle school, and I was bullied a lot, just talked down because I was overweight, and uh, that put me in a bad headspace. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like it would anybody. Yeah, I remember taking a bunch of pills, and then um, just wanting to. I, I felt like I wasn't worthy of living life, and I wasn't worthy of a son as in living the life that. Uh, I don't know. Other people thought that I was, I guess I, I didn't feel like I lived up to that identity of what other people perceived me as because I also, I mean, I had a really real, I, my parents have been amazing my entire life. So it's not like I had a broken childhood or home. I, I, my family is 100% as supportive. I felt I'm like, well, this isn't normal to struggle like this mentally when I have such an amazing support system at home, mm-hmm. because usually you don't see that. And so I'm getting bullied and all that stuff. And, uh, I'm feeling all these really negative emotions. Uh, even at some points, I'd say questioning like sexuality and stuff because I was very emotional. I would just say articulated with words. So I didn't see any other, you know, people speaking like that. For me, I was like, well, you know, I really don't know what I want. And I really don't even know myself yet. And so I'd say the confusion of all of that and the bullying pushed me towards making an attempt. Are you saying just to be clear that like guys at that age, they don't speak that way. So you question your sexuality because you communicated differently. Exactly. That's really interesting. Why do you think you said on this particular day, I'm going to get these pills and I'm fucking out. I think it was the continuous, continuous like effect of it. I mean, you know, you get, you get bullied once or you get shoved against the locker or you get treated, you get called fat, whatever. Um, a couple of times, you know, it's easier to brush off, but when it's something where like you literally dread going to school every Mm -hmm. single day, because you just know that you're going to have that confrontation with this person or these people are going to look down at you. Um, you're already don't like the person you see in the mirror because, you know, for me, I was extremely overweight. Uh, I didn't know what clothes or hair cuts to have to save my life at the time. I think I was wearing uh, either Jinko Hot Topic jeans or something to that effect. So I was already dressed as though I was different. Yeah, you just you go to, to school every single day and wherever else and you get treated like that continuously and it starts building and building. And then finally, 
uh, you start to believe them or you have like that breaking point and you hit fight or flight. And uh, that's what happened. I think a lot of other people either don't have that continuous pressure or they're just better at handling it. Just a different mentality. But I think that's part of it is the continuous um, pushing and prodding and stuff like that. So, and then also the social media thing was becoming a bigger thing. So you could see more and more of that bullying too, as I was getting to that age. Now I, I couldn't imagine being in middle school or, or high school right now and then seeing what bullying looks like with the many social media platforms we have now. So Yeah, man, it's so amplified. Mm-hmm. So you, you took the pills. Did you go to a hospital? Did somebody find you? I ended up being okay. I didn't take enough to o- overdose. I got sick and then I threw up in the middle of the night, but I didn't take enough to overdose on which made me feel like an, even a bigger idiot. Now, uh, throughout this whole process, getting bullied and, and your attempt, do you tell anybody, including your parents, who you sound close to? Uh, at this point, I didn't. I mean, I, I told them that I was dealing with uh, a lot of like depression and just sadness and, and stuff like that. But I didn't talk to them about the attempts because I felt like that would just ultimately disappoint them. So we grew up and we're, we're religious, too. So that's against your religion, too. And at yeah. the time, I didn't know that those are disconnected you know, they aren't the same. So I know now that they wouldn't look at me like that. And neither would a pastor if they're a good pastor. But if um, they're a good pastor, Larry, if they're a good yeah. pastor, yeah. nobody said, maybe we should get you into a counselor of some kind. No, at that point, uh, I didn't know a single person uh, at that point in my life. I'd say I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, that was in counseling. Um, mm. It just wasn't normalized enough because at that age, yeah, that was probably 2000. Yeah, about 2000. I didn't know anybody. I kind of grew up at a school to where uh, football was the big thing. It was okay. pushed extremely. I mean, bullying was a very large issue. At one point, we had football players assault somebody in a locker room. Them all, A lot of them all got expelled and stuff like that for it. But I mean, that's the extent of what that bullying was like at the time. And our, and our school system wasn't doing what they should have to yeah. rectify it and help people. So you got to make sure they go to church. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I am. I actually, I was going to say, I'm not talking negatively about the church, but I am a tiny bit, but respect to those who believe that's all good for real. Yeah, I, I would say I'm a spiritual. Um, yeah. I believe in like a higher power, but I, I believe that checklist religion is just another way to push people and uh, get what people want out of, out of life uh, for their own personal agenda. There's something in the universe that if you're good and you put that good out there, you'll get good back past that. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely pro LGBTQ, uh, pro choice, uh, all those things that I don't know, if you listen to punk rock, you should be, <laughs> I've disassociated myself with a lot of that, the checklist religion, because the people that come along with it are very, very, uh, I don't know, pushy, judgmental, toxic. And, yeah. And toxic. And I've never heard checklist religion before. I might, I might borrow that. It's what it is. I mean, uh, people look at that and they're like, well, this is what I'd like. And you know, this is what I want out of the religion. So like, well, that's not how you live that you're supposed to like, there's a, a actually a church around here and their, their slogan is uh, relationships, not religion. And I actually, I like that. So, and that's kind of what uh, our pastor usually would say, because I do play drums at a church. I, I wear pro LGBTQ shirts while I'm there too. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. voice my opinion. And if anybody ever tries to silence that, I won't be there anymore. So yeah, nice. Um, that's good. I have a feeling, uh, 15 year old Larry wasn't as bold, but that's just, we grow up, yeah. we, we change. Well, and I see people 
out there and I see people that are probably feeling the same way I felt when I was that age. And they didn't have anybody in front of them to be able to look up to and be like, oh, I guess that's normal. So it's okay to feel struggling or to ask to talk to a counselor, to talk to my mom and dad about these feelings. I actually did. They they put together a semicolon Sunday uh, one week and I spoke about my whole incident there in front of everybody at the church for two different services. And wow, it, it made a difference for people. So yeah, and it made a difference for me. Um, stuff like that I do feel makes a different difference in the community and for people that don't necessarily have that in their lives to look to. Yeah, man. Sometimes it, it sounds so cliche, but sometimes one person really can make that impact. No doubt. Obviously, you survive that. You get through. I imagine the bullying doesn't stop magically just because you survived that attempt. Right. Um, so take us through high school and there was a second attempt. That one was, I would say, 2000 three or 2004, same thing, overworked, bad relationship, more codependency and everything to the same extent. I always felt like I couldn't be alone. Uh, I felt like I was meant to be with somebody that feel complete. So you got into high school. Did something change where you were able to attract somebody or, or connect with somebody like that? Yeah, I started playing music. I started gaining more confidence because of that. And then I kind of found like my, I'd say my, uh, identity to a certain extent. Uh, I had some people at school, um, they listened to hardcore and uh, a metal and they told me about what a uh, straight edge was. And I, I've never been into doing drugs or drinking or anything like that. Cause I had some addicts and um, people that I, that my family has uh, a strong background when it comes to like addiction. I don't know. It, it's really easily, they have a e- easily uh, addiction issues with mm-hmm. food, uh, drugs, whatever it may be. So I've always was cautious about it because I was afraid of ending up like some of my family members. And so when one of these people told me about uh, the philosophy of being straight edge, which is for minor threat, and uh, I was like, that's cool. Identify that. And I was like, we all just go to hardcore shows and punk rock and eat pizza. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. And uh, I didn't have very many friends. So we all did that and uh, played a lot of shows, met a lot of people, made some music that was very mediocre. (laughs) Yeah. And then we finally kind of branched out and I was able to find more of myself, find more peers that I identified with. And that gave me the confidence to also uh, approach other people. Um, I'd say I, I started dating more people around that age. Um, but even with all of that, you know, the bullying at school didn't stop because they cared about football and all that kind of stuff. They don't care what you're doing after school and your, your mediocre metal band. People in that headspace, they don't care about that. I think that uh, high school is like the end all. And they think that where they sit with that is going to have an effect on where they are later in life. Um, rather than just the fact that that's a stepping stone to wherever you may be going to next. And so people identify, especially where I was, that, um, you know, status and the way you were looked at by your peers, what you wore, how you dressed. It's just it was one of those things to where people didn't realize there's other shit that's way more fucking important than this. And treating other people badly is it just to gain that uh, peer peer status and look like whatever is popular at the time back then, I think it was Christine Aguilera or something. I don't even know. I'm old now. So I don't remember that shit. Yeah. It was something that people are constantly stepping on other people, bullying people. I'm pretty yeah. sure my school was in the news once or twice for it even. Wow. Just to be, just want to back up for one sec. For people that don't know, straight edge is essentially harder, harder music, but you're clean. You're not doing drugs or alcohol. Right. Yep. Um, uh, it was from a band called a uh, minor threat. They didn't do it necessarily on purpose. Um, it was from going to uh, hardcore and punk rock venues, 
and they would mark minors with an X on their hands. Um, and as okay. to show that they wanted to be clean and that they didn't want to drink, smoke, or uh, do anything that was harmful to their bodies that other people were, and they wanted to be better than that because they wanted to be antithesis of whatever all that stuff was. They started doing it on themselves, even if they were of age. And uh, they started singing songs like the song Straight Edge for Minor Threat. Uh, it yeah. kind of took out and the philosophy kind of grew from there. Got it. When you were getting bullied for all those years, because we know a lot of times people who get bullied, bully eventually. Yes. I turned into the asshole. Yep. I mean, oh, I did the same exact thing years later. Yeah, about 2004, 2005. One of the bands I was in, the other guy that I was in the band with, he would bully people constantly because I'm sure that he felt less about himself as well. But that was his yes. way of feeling better about himself. Sure. sure. And we would hang out and, and be friends and make music. And uh, I thought that it was normal because he was treating me okay. And so then I would join in and do the same stuff to other people, but not usually as bad because I would kind of retrospect, look at it. and was like, Oh, I was just a giant asshole. Yeah. I definitely fell into that. Um, we, yeah. We'd sit there and preach to a crowd and be like, don't be an asshole, love each other. Somebody falls in the pit, you pick them back up to being a person, you know, let's shut this venue down and beat the shit out of everybody. And I realized that through time as um, yeah. I didn't make the same relationships and effect on people and uh, I, more people wouldn't let us play their venue because I realized that we were just a bunch of punk assholes. And so right. um, <laughs> being a punk doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. Exactly. And um, our, our drummer at the time quit because of it, too. And so I moved on and I realized and grew yeah. from it. So let's go back for a sec. Your, your second attempt. Did you also try the same way with pills? Yeah. And um, I, I took more this time. And that was around the time, uh, I think it was about the year that the, the locker room incident happened with uh, all the football players to the other kid, because all of us were getting bullied pretty bad. I mean, enough to where the one, some of them were like following people after school. Like I remember getting tailed once I was able to drive Wow! Um, because they'd follow you and, and treat you and talk shit to you. And you're at a gas station in front of a bunch of other people. So you have all these other people that are staring at you that they're talking at, screaming out the window. And that's enough to run your, you know, whole identity into the ground or feel embarrassed being somebody yeah. that's 17, 18. I can't imagine that. I can't. I got lucky, I guess I was because I was kind of a thin guy, little just like you can be bullied for stuff like that. I mean, I had the occasional asshole who would do something, but I feel blessed almost because I wasn't and I don't know how I'd have handled that. Yeah. And I was, and I was kind of, I was lucky too, that I got involved with all the people that were straight edge. Cause I feel like if I would have had a depressant in my system a lot as well during that whole time, I do think that I would have been successful. Cause I think there was always something lingering in the back of my head that was like, you know, do you really want to do this? Is this the decision you want to make when I finally hit fight or flight? And I think I never really quite tipped one way or the other. Um, well, I mean, we can argue when you took the pills, you kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. And it just luckily I didn't put all of them in same deal that you didn't take enough and you nothing happened and you didn't tell anyone. Uh, I got a lot, a lot more sick. I think I call, I wasn't at school the next day. I threw up and I felt like absolute garbage. I did tell my friends that time. What did you, how did you frame that? I just told them, I was like, I'm sick of being treated the way that we get treated at, at school by peers, by the adults. We had teachers that were sleeping with students and they weren't wow. getting anything happening to them. There's a teacher that used a basketball player and uh, he was sleeping and almost grooming the, the, the female basketball team and uh, teachers, principal, they knew that stuff and they would do nothing about it. Things like that 
were hard because we'd get treated the way we got treated and the teachers would even join in on it for some students. Um, and then, you know, we, we knew that stuff was going on too. So it's like, we felt trapped. Yeah, man. I mean, when the adults don't have your back, what, where do you go? Right. Yep. It, it is. It's, it's hard. I mean, because people don't want to, uh, they don't want to accept responsibility. They don't want to admit they're like, yeah, our, our employee was doing this and uh, we're going to take action. We're going to do this instead. I mean, no different than what, you know, the Catholic church did with the priests that were touching children. I mean, everywhere, man, it's like other stuff like that. Or my partner said that one of her jobs she worked at, she worked early on as like a convenience uh, store worker. And one person would literally follow her around the store and even tried adding her on social media, approach her and stuff. She told her boss, which should have been alarmed. I mean, should have been like, yeah, we need to do something about this. And he's like, well, just go hide in the back room for a while till he leaves rather than approach the person and be like, you need to not come in the store. That same sense of mind frame Mm. is shared everywhere from people. They just don't want to take the initiative or afraid of the conflict and it it might hurt their business. But but it's to me, it's one step or more than one step up when you're, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, schools and churches and other institutions like that, particularly with children, you are fucking criminals, period. Oh, yeah. You're a criminal. Especially when the age difference is that that vast. For so many reasons. I, I can't even, this is not a podcast about that per se, but a lot of things overlap. But I can have, what's the word, mercy or forgiveness or try to do to criminals, but you're still a criminal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if they've done it more than, than once. And I mean, you know, when it's involved and it's something like children or and you have a teacher that's supposed to be somebody that's oh my god them in, in an appropriate direction. And then you find that out. And it's yeah. like literally you, you're you're doing everything the opposite of what somebody in your power position should have been doing. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And I promise you, many of those people are fucked up because of you. Oh, yeah. Not absolutely. only was the act itself awful beyond words, but, but you fucked people up. And one of our goals, hopefully on earth is at least to do no harm or try. Right. Yeah. And you're an adult. So anyway, we'll look, but we could a uh, whole other thread. Uh, it's a slippery slope. The thread of they had their reasons for behaving. Maybe they were bullied. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it gets it just, this shit just feeds on itself. It's a tornado All right. and a whirlwind of shit. Yeah. yeah. So you survive, you tell your friends, you get out of high school. What are your 20s like? Because I know that in uh, October, of, we're getting to October of 2020. So it yep. sounds like your 20s, are they, do they improve at all a little bit? Don't You don't have an attempt. Are you thinking oh, about yes. it? Yeah, my, tw- my, my 20s were probably, I don't know, night and day compared to what it was because I, I ended up forming a band. I mean, we're, we're still kind of dickheads, but um, we got decently successful. Um, so we met a lot of people. Um, we met a lot of bands. We played like a warp tour date in Detroit. Um, I had a lot of really good experiences of meeting people. I met a lot of amazing people in uh, Indiana. Uh, there's a hardcore scene down there. And uh, a lot of them are extremely, uh, I don't know, like family. Like you meet somebody and you're like, you have the same exact mind frame as me. Same like uh, sense of personality and, and uh, sense of humor. And uh, I found that in a lot of people. I got a little bit healthier. I got a little bit more confident. I got into a longer lasting relationship at the time that helped me in a lot. I mean, I was able to flourish, I'd say, and kind of uh, grow as a person a little bit. I definitely still had depression and anxiety. Um, I think I just managed it more at the time because I had more outlets and I had more 
support around me at all times. I wasn't alone as much. But you're not drinking or drugging. Nope. And, which is admirable because you were around it a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. We played a lot of places where it was everywhere. And two, you know, you use the word depression and anxiety. And one of the reasons why people drink and drug is it, at least temporarily, helps them feel okay. How are you? I, I assume one of the answers here is music. I don't know. Maybe there's another of how do you feel better? How do you cope with this? And I assume this is self-diagnosed. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah until I, I started finally seeing a therapist later, it was it was the music screaming into a microphone because at that point I was the just the lead singer of a, of a band. Yeah, I, I was able to get that aggression out. I was able to write lyrics that help mm. push my, my thoughts out. Yeah. And I have to say, like, as somebody who's done some speaking and, and done some stage work, there's a feeling, I don't know if the word's empowerment, but something about having a microphone and people listening. Oh, yeah. And the lights are on you. You, the chubby guy from middle school, they're listening right. to fucking me. No, right, exactly. And you're, you're like, I didn't think I'd ever be in this situation because yeah. I thought I was going to get my head shoved in a fucking locker for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that helps me a lot. That band kind of disintegrated through time because we were we were so angry. And that's the one that the drummer uh, left first. Um, so I attempted to play drums at first because I was a drummer. Um, and then it just kind of fell apart. And at that time, I was already in a long lasting relationship with somebody. And then after that, her and I joined another band uh, that one was uh, called Infinite Design with a lot of the people that I'm that are in my band now. Well, I was in that band with them for almost 10 years, wrote a lot of music, had a lot of fun experiences together playing shows and i was with somebody and i think having that camaraderie helped me through my time of uh loneliness once me and this other person split because i found out that she was cheating on me and so i had left from kalamazoo where i was staying with her and moved back to muskegon uh and so i moved back in with parents and uh my codependency still wasn't gone so i immediately started dating somebody else within three months i would imagine losing a partner is always going to be difficult, but somebody who is codependent, it sounds like it might even be more difficult in some ways. Yeah, it is. Um, especially uh, in that situation, anytime you're cheated on by your spouse, I mean, you automatically, you, whatever you thought less of yourself, you automatically degrade, feel degraded even further. Put all that trust into that person. I literally had a ring and was about ready to propose. Yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. I mean, I moved back, um, moved back in my parents, but within three months, yeah, I was already dating somebody else. Then that person, I constantly was bailing out of situations because they had a lot of issues and the codependency was like, wanted me to take care of them. Don't take care of me because uh, they need me without me. Then, you know, they ain't going to be able to get through this. And part of the whole co codependency kind of whirlwind. And so we intertwined and intertwined and uh, we ended up getting married. And then, yeah, she uh, financially made a lot more than me. Uh, she was very career driven. I'm more of a make money to live, not live to make money kind of guy. That's just the way I kind of always been. I mean, that's the way my family is. I've always kind of like been a person. I'm like, if something happens and I really, really need it, um, I will bust my ass and I'll do the work I need to do. Um, I'll always, I've always had a, a, a job. I've been at where I'm at right now for about eight years. I've never been like somebody that I want to push and push and push to make more money by putting more time into something. Or I'd rather go home and spend my extra time and the money I do make with my family, making memories that I can cherish further, you know, further on in life. Not that I don't like being able to be comfortable at least, but you know, I, I'm not somebody that's going to put in an extra fifth, extra 10 hours a week just so I can try to make more money. Yeah. I worked there and we started dating and um, we got married. She uh, had some mental health issues too. 
And then I helped her through all those. And through that time, my health declined rapidly. I gained a lot more weight. At my highest, I was at about 389 pounds. Now I weigh, um, I weighed myself this morning and I'm 201. Wow. This last year I had the gastric sleeve surgery. Um, so I'm about an hour, uh, an hour, uh, a year out. So when you're gaining the weight and things are starting to go sour, what, what year is that about? Give me some context. It was really rough. I was, I was trying to help her. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, I mean, it was all extremely sudden. The whole thing kind of came out of nowhere. When was this? Uh, this was 2019. So we started arguing a lot more because, well, I'm going to say arguing. She just wasn't present in the, in right. the situation, really. I found myself being more at home. And so the depression kind of kicked up more. I wasn't going out. I quit the band that I was in that was uh, with all my friends. So I didn't have that outlet any longer. It would just became more and more just everything driven on her and what, what she wanted, which part of it was my fault because I was codependent and I let it happen and I didn't put my boundaries down. That whole year went by. COVID came and it hit it even harder. So it was even more to where we couldn't go out and do anything. I was still playing drums at like church and stuff like that. So I was still able to get out, play music. It just wasn't to the same extent. Um, but then uh, there was one weekend she uh, came back home and she was like, so I, I think I want a divorce. Literally, she had sent me a message the day before saying that she loved me, all this other stuff. And just randomly it changed all of a sudden within that day. And so naturally I was kind of like, okay, I think I was just maybe like, your mindset for the situation. You maybe you had a bad day. So you're, you're thinking things, overthinking things instead of wanting to talk it out or whatever. And uh, she's like, no, I don't think I want to do this. And she just within the next, I'd say two months, it just slowly detached further and further and further. Started limiting what I could see like on her social media so that I can see what she posted and stuff like that. She kept on kind of pushing me to see if I wanted to spend uh, time at my parents or vice versa. All of that kind of happens. And uh, there's one day we had a really bad blow up of me just saying like, well, let's go to counseling. Let's do couples counseling. And she uh, said that she didn't want to. And she was going to grab all of her stuff and kind of was just putting me down. Said a lot of negative things I don't really want to repeat about just me and things like that that are just like would drive down anybody's mental health. Yeah. Then at that point, she'd walked out of the room and I grabbed one of the kitchen knives and I was going to commit suicide. I, 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 I made a laceration in you know, my, my vein and, and my wrist, and it wasn't bad enough to need to go to a hospital um, to get treated because she immediately walked back up the stairs. So I dropped it out of my hands because I hit fight or flight and I was right in the middle of it. Yeah. And then she scolded me for that rather than being abrasive in the situation. So no matter what, I felt beat down that I couldn't do anything right. And I was just kind of a shell of what I used to be. It wasn't a bad enough cut that needs stitches. It was one that I was able to, to wrap with a regular bandage and stuff. If she wasn't, wouldn't have walked back up the stairs, I probably would have. I would have needed to go to the hospital. Um, but luckily, she did. I would say that's one good thing that happened from the situation. Yeah. So you split. Well, and even that, actually, we didn't. I, she was like, well, if you go to counseling, you know, we can stay together. That's why initially when I went to counseling, I was like, well, I'm doing this to try to save my marriage. I had nothing to even do with myself. And then I realized as my counselor spoke to me, she was like, no, you need this. She's like, you don't, your identity isn't just with this person. You don't need to rely on anybody else to be the person you are. All these people love you for you. There's uh, ways to retrain your brain so that you don't, you know, keep on going down those same alleyways of thinking. She told me about like the five senses technique. You know, the ABC is like of thinking and stuff like that and really helped me find myself. And so I would say six, seven months later or so, actually it might've almost been an entire year. Uh, we, we did get a divorce uh, because she wanted to, 
I literally, there was no, I would say rhyme or reason still. She just wanted to split. And then she was with somebody else within a short period of time. All I know is it was a gift because after we did, I had the surgery. I, I, uh, I was forced to focus on myself. I was forced to let go of that codependency. And I also had that already that underlying relationship with my counselor. Thankfully, I was able to, you know, talk myself off the ledge when it would get too extreme. And I was able to call her because there was plenty of times I called her or the suicide um, prevention lifeline within that year or my parents because they knew everything at this point. They knew about that attempt and they knew about me going to counseling. Me reaching out became more of a safe space because I knew I wasn't alone anymore. Mm -hmm. I kept going to counseling and I would say for a year I dated around, but I didn't like stay with anybody. I saw a red flag uh, that I knew was going to be a long-term killer in the relationship. And so we, we, I would split with them after you're given tries and boundaries not being uh, respected. December of this last year, well, as the end of December, early January, I met my, my current partner and uh, she's from a different city than me. It was weird. It was like, you know, some people say that every pot has a li its lid. We literally are the same, I would say the same identity. Like I wouldn't say the same identities, but it's weird. We complement one another because we have a lot of the same outlooks on life. Uh, we had the same boundaries when we first started talking. Same kind of things going. So uh, we started dating in January and we've been together for almost six months and I had one single argument because it's, it's been very easy and then we didn't force it. And it just happened naturally. Uh, she ended up moving in after a while of dating. Uh, at the time I was in four bands. So I was definitely still not pushing anything off the table like music wise. I was doing a lot of stuff for suicide prevention at the time too. So she knew about all of that and, and admired that as well. That was one of the things that drew me to her as well, because she has a semicolon tattoo as well. She she had uh, dealt with you know depression, anxiety, and things like that as well. So at this point, I'm surrounded by a lot of loving people, and I feel like I'm able to make a difference with those people in the world around me. I've cut myself down to two bands because four just wasn't matchable, especially considering two of them was in uh, another state. From that attempt, and then the counseling I received afterwards, getting a divorce, Having the surgery and becoming healthy again was life-changing. I went to a festival last year called Furnace Fest. That's literally just all a bunch of bands that I listened to when I was younger. And that was the first time I was able to go to a, con a concert or festival and actually enjoy myself 100%, not feel like I was going to blow up because I was so overweight. It felt amazing. I've been still riding that high because my health is good. My family life is amazing. My, my partner is amazing. She is a huge heart and supports me with everything. And I support her. Uh, she's a nurse. So I mean, right there, she already is a caring person with her job too. So my mom is actually a nurse. So her and her, those two get along and talk about a bunch of shit. I don't understand. It's above my head, but everything's, I don't know, come together. And I feel like that's what life does. And that's what therapy will bring you. You know, that helps you figure out who you are as a person. It helps you figure out you know, your red flags, your what boundaries maybe you should find, your coping skills. And once I feel like you learn all those things, you're able to understand who you should surround yourself with. And if not, and they change, you're able to figure out who the cut out of your life real fucking quick. And I've, I've, I've let go of a lot of different friends within the last two, three years because of that, figuring out, I'm like, you weren't healthy for me, or you were taking advantage of me and just wanted to be friends with me for this, or, uh, or we just don't mesh. We don't have the same personalities. We don't have the same wants or needs in a, in a relationship. So that's kind of where I am now with a lot of stuff. And therapy, I would say, is 99% of the reason that I am where I am. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm glad that worked for you so well. 
no, I got, I got lucky. I, I connected with a, a counselor that, uh, she understanding and listening and I just connected with her put it that way. Cause I, I also know somebody else that, you know, had talked about committing suicide and they went to their counselor and they made it worse. They took them three or four yeah. times until they connected with somebody that made a good difference. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm not, I'm not in counseling anymore. Um, I haven't been in counseling for probably the last, I don't know, 10 months, I'd say my counselor pretty much has told me, uh, I'm here and the door is open. Um, if less, there's something you really would like to talk about. She's like, I really don't know what it is that you want to concentrate on or talk about, because at this point you're, you've done everything that I can give you. So if you want more tools and checkup visits, we can do that. But, uh, past that, this, that she was proud of how far we'd come together pretty much as a patient and uh, a therapist. So, um, but no, it's definitely not the end all. I don't think anything is honestly. Uh, because everybody's different. Everybody's identity is different. So mental health, you know, that goes with uh, your personality and background, your upbringing and all that different stuff uh, has a factor in everything. Substance abuse has a factor in everything. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody's the same. I think that for anybody, the biggest thing you can do for them is just listen, which is what you're doing, which is extremely admirable. Thanks, ma'am. I mean, it's not the only thing, but it's a huge thing. Yeah. Let me ask you a few questions. Will you try again? No. 100%? 90%? hundred percent. Okay. How many people do you have in your life, in your entire life, who you would feel comfortable saying, I'm having some very dark thoughts and I want to talk about it? I would say at least 10. Wow. The suicide compilation that I, that I had helped put out, helped mm-hmm. build a lot of friendships like that. And that's all those other wow. people struggle too. Yep. So the same thing. Is there a myth? There's probably several and they sort of, come. is there one myth in particular around any of this stuff that you would like to dispel or say, nah, that's just not accurate. My biggest thing is I, I do hear a lot of people say that, um, well, you know, how could they have committed suicide because they had children or how could they have made the attempt because they have family that cares about them? I could never do that. Mm-hmm. You know, things to that extent. And I used to be one of those people back in the day, probably in my twenties. And I don't think you understand it, but when you're, you, you'd make that attempt, you truly think that those people are going to be better off in the world without you. Yeah. You are in a mental state to where you're, you hit flight. Uh, you think the world is going to be better without you and that you're doing them a service. So to say anybody, uh, especially a father or anybody like that is being selfish, the exact opposite of, I think, the situation. And I think they need to look into that. And that's, that's definitely, I would say a myth. They need to show support, not judgment. Yeah, man, for sure. My last question is um, a question I don't typically ask. It's a kind of question where I would I would kind of roll my eyes if someone asked me, but someone brought it up recently. And I was like, that's an interesting question. So if you could talk to the middle school, Larry, what would you say? Oh, man, I would tell him, like, quit worrying about the shit that is literally of just, you know, a peer status or the things that are materialistic or worrying about things that aren't going to matter. Worry about yourself. Worry about bettering things. Look at the people around you. I'd say look mm-hmm. at my gra- my grandma, grandpa and my my, my family and other people, I would say, like steer my brother in a, in a direction and, you know, don't be held up on the short things of life. Look long term and care about yourself. Put the effort of what you have and that you're putting out towards the world of worrying and anxiety of what the world sees in you and put that in yourself and effort into making yourself the best person you can be because that's going to that's going to ultimately shine through. It is. But man, when you're 15, you if you were actually 15 back in the day, 14, whatever it was, and you heard that, you it probably wouldn't work, would it? You're too young I, or you're too in whatever your own world is. At that point, like 
I don't know, I'm straight edge. I'm, I'm doing that stuff. So it's like, you are influenceable. Yeah. So if you, if you can have somebody that's like, um, influential in your life that helps guide you. I mean, yeah. I definitely have a lot of other people in bands and stuff that I look up to and still look up to. I mean, like Toby Morris from H2O doing all of the like positive mental attitude stuff. And he'd go and speak to schools okay. and, uh, you know, it'd be like, you know, live with a positive mental attitude, live life with love. And if I had other people being like, yeah, this stupid jock bullshit, this isn't what real world is. So yeah. and live with love and push that off. And I'm like, if this dude with all these tattoos is saying that to me and he's happy and not yeah. getting, I'm sure he's been judged and shit like that. So maybe, maybe there is a better way. Definitely. It certainly can't hurt to try, right? Absolutely. That's the biggest thing is just making the effort to try and then uh, lending the ear to listen. Indeed. If you, if you've made an attempt or you know people that have made an attempt or just struggle with anything, I do think that certain things really help um, to just know, like uh, I've taken QPR classes and those, those are extremely helpful in situations just to help talk people off the ledge so that you can help save them or stall them until help can get there. Um, things like that. And then just being open about your life and your experiences and uh, sharing them with other people where you feel comfortable because ultimately you kill that stigma um, a little bit more every time you do. And that might open a door for somebody that's struggling to open them, themselves up and speak to you or someone mm-hmm. else. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. I'm glad we connected. I'm glad Scott connected us. Another Michiganite. Is that what you guys call it? Is that what you call the Michiganite? Michiganite, Michiganite. I don't know. Then they up the other ones up there are Youpers. I don't know. I'm don't from Muskegon. That's all I know. They call it Ski yeah. Town, I think. But got you. Uh, I appreciate you and uh, Scott too. I mean, the more people that know, the better. And uh, especially right now, I mean, if social media is so big, um, so I mean, if we can use it for something good, then awesome. Appreciate right. you, brother. Thank you. You well, Larry. Take care, my man. Thanks again. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Larry up in Michigan. Thank you, Larry. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And check the show notes for a few links, including how to leave us a recorded message, as well as how to help us out with a few bucks. We could use the help. And that is all for episode number 128. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.